God sees you. Someone needed to hear that. God sees you. Um, our scripture reading for today is Galatians 2.20. Uh, that's our memory verse. Please recite along with me. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen. Good morning, happy Sabbath, and happy New Year. Don't you feel something a little bit different about this year? Can we have a do-over on last year? Or let's not do it again. I don't like last year. Uh, For a lot of you, the last three years have been kind of a real hole in your life because you've been missing fellowship, we've lost loved ones, um, we've had to say goodbye to friends. A lot of bad things have happened to us And yet, a lot of good things have happened to us. A lot of things that bring us closer to Jesus Christ. So today, I'm going to talk about something a little strange, but at the same time, I think it's very valid in the world we live in. And um, I'm going to get to Joshua eventually. So don't worry. If I start going to a different text, don't worry. We're going to end up with Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, okay? Let's bow our heads as we open God's word today. Father in heaven... This new year, bright sunshine outside, a hopeful atmosphere that we have in our hearts. Dear Father, our family have spent some time with us, or we've spent time with family. Some of us have been alone on the holidays, but we all gather together today as a church family to worship you. So dear Father, as we go through this small time of today, this Sabbath that we spend with you, we pray that you will bless us as we study your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever thought yourself as the villain in any of the stories? Usually we like to think of ourselves as what? The hero. We love to think of that. In fact, today I'm going to just have us be a villain just for a little bit because nowadays it, it seems to be popular to be a villain. I don't know why. But I would like us to look and see what a story would look like in the Bible that's a little bit different if we looked at it from a different point of view. And uh, we're going to start in the beginning with Genesis. And uh, we're going to start with, I think it is chapter 32. Chapter 32. Now, I'm not going to go through the first part of this chapter, but I am going to rehearse just a little bit of it. How many of you remember the story of Jacob and Esau? Very fresh in some of your minds. Uh, Two brothers that struggled even from the womb. Uh, In fact, the boys were born, and uh, Jacob comes out second, and he's holding on to Esau's heel. It seems like they were fighting from before they were born. I will not ask you a question, but it's always in the back of your head. How many of you have had siblings or children that mimic this story? It's interesting over the time that you see the boys separate and become almost mortal enemies, and then this story happens. Jacob is coming back with his new family, his new flocks, his new wealth, and he realizes that he's coming back into the territory where his brother is. 
all of a sudden the memories start flooding back and all the bad things he has done. And all of a sudden he comes to the very realization that you and I do today, what if we put ourselves in his shoes? We're the villain. We're the bad guy. Have you ever put yourself in the bad guy position? Probably not. We typically like that hero. We like to shed good light upon ourselves, but sometimes we choose the most difficult person to be in a situation. We select the villain. This new year, let's put back into perspective that look at who the villain is. How many of you would like to be in the next picture and I selected the villain? I couldn't do that, so I had to put myself there. I couldn't put anybody's picture there. I didn't want to put any of you as the villain because in looking at it, really when I was writing this sermon, I realized that I had to put myself in there and as you will today, have to put yourself in this story as the villain. What if you were Jacob and you're heading back? If I was to choose a story, this story would probably be the best because they fought their entire life up until this point. And so we get down to about verse 22. He sent something to his brother, not a little something, a lot of something, saying, I'm sorry. A lot of money, a lot of goats, a lot of oxen, a lot of sheep. I mean, he is sending everything. And he hears that his brother has 400 men with him. And they're usually not 400 men that say, hi, how are you doing? We're here to escort you and give you a good time. No, they usually carry spears, swords, and ride animals that are ready for war. And so he's a lot nervous because he hasn't been the good one in life. And so we come down to verse 22. And he arose that night and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons. It's been a few years since he left. And crossed over the four Jebek. And he took them and over the brook and sent them what he had. And Jacob was left alone. How many of you, when you're alone and you're stressed, that's a good situation? It's never a good situation. When you're alone and you're stressed, there's no one there to bolster you up. And all of a sudden, this doesn't say how it happened, but a man wrestled with him until daybreak. So he sends his family, and all of a sudden, he's attacked. And he's like, whoa, and he wrestles. This guy, Jacob was no little fluffy dude. In the first part of the story, we see him as kind of sticking around home, being around mom and cooking and all this kind of stuff. And we get this picture that he's kind of a homebody, and that he's not really muscular or anything because his brother was covered in hair, muscular and hunted all the time. We think of him as, oh yeah. And we think of Jacob as, well, you know, Jacob. But he's not. This person shows up and wrestles with him until daybreak. I don't care if the person wrestling you is weak, but if you wrestle for more than just a few minutes, you get winded really quick. How many of you ever wrestled in high school? Anybody? Yeah. When you do that for a long time, you get drained. And when you're near that person, you get sweaty. And when you're near that person, you know them intimately. You know them right up in their face. And he's doing this and thinking, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. This person is stronger than I am, stronger than I am. Let's read on. Now he saw that he did not prevail against him, 
he touched the socket of his hip. That's talking about the person that was wrestling Jacob. He touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. How many of you have ever had something dislocate? Ooh, that's not good. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. It's a weird thing if you don't know who the person is. But I have a sneaking suspicion when he was that intimate with this person, he knew exactly who it was. And I'll tell you why in just a few minutes. So he said to him, what is your name? And he goes, <laughs> we've been wrestling this long and you don't know my name? My name is Jacob. But for you and I, that's just a name. For him, his name meant supplanter. Now that still doesn't mean anything, does it? How many of you know the old King James? I got to get back to it because there's more than just one meaning for it. More than just one meaning for it. And my technology is frozen. It's okay, though. Don't need technology. There we go. Thank you, guys. His whole life was selfish. And supplanter means about three things. Supplanter means hypocrite. It means fascist. It means an accomplice. And it means a usurper. How many of you, or if you're the villain of the story, would want to be called all those things? <sighs> Pastor, no. Especially not fascist, because that's kind of a, a buzzword nowadays. But if you look at what it means, it means someone who imposes themselves where they shouldn't and struggles with God. But more like the hypocrite, he acted in a way that was not who he should have been. The man wrestled with him and wrestled with him and wrestled with him and popped his hip out of socket. And all of a sudden, he's like, give me your name. And he's like, I'm a hypocrite. I'm a fascist. I'm an accomplice to evil. And I'm a usurper of power. And the man answers him back. And he says, you will no longer be known by those names. Do you understand the significance of this story in the new year that we live? That when God and us come in contact, when we wrestle with God, and we wrestle with him to the point where he says, I'm going to throw you a curveball like you've never had before. It's going to feel like your hip's out of socket. Oh, thanks, God. I know it's you. I don't know your name, but I know it's you. I know you. I love you, I think. <clears throat> this hurts a lot. In fact, it hurts so much that the people of Israel never ate the shank off the animals after that. That's how long-lasting it was. And he said, okay, your name is now Israel. And to us, that means, oh, Israeli. No, that is not what it means. There's a meaning in this, and it's really interesting. It means one who fights with God, one who struggles with God. And if you want to look at our Christian walk with God, it is a struggle. And usually, it's on our part. Because if you look at the fight, 
Who was the good person in the fight? We cannot tell people that God was the bad one fighting. You say, how do you know it's God? I'll get there in a minute. And second, the other person fighting was obviously Jacob, and he has some bad names. And so he must be the bad guy fighting. And when he fights, he says, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. The Arabic meaning means struggle with God. He does struggle or fight his entire life until daybreak, and then that name that he gives him is awesome because he says, you're going to be known for this forever and ever and ever. And then something interesting, Jacob names the place. What does it say he names the place? Hmm? Paneel. Paneel means the face of God. You're struggling with somebody for hours and you're struggling intimately with that person. The sweat is mixing and you're like, I'm not going to win this. Bless me, I know who you are because something is godly about you. And when it's godly about you, I want you to know that I want to see your face. And I want you to never leave me again. I want to be known as your child. I don't want to run anymore. I want you to bless me. So I'm going to name this place something that is very special. And that is the face of God. I want you, God, never to look away from me. How many of you prayed that prayer in the last three years? Me too. Because when those struggles come, we all of a sudden feel like, oh, I don't care if I'm a leader or what, I'm the villain, and I really shouldn't be. I really want to follow God, and I want to follow him well. If I was the leader, what would I do? If I was the leader of my people, what would I do when I'm facing somebody like Esau, who I've wronged a lot? As it turns out, Esau wasn't there to hurt him. He was there to greet him because he loved his brother. And he had been through a lot too. And he just wanted to give his brother a hug and wanted to trade things for him. And he says, no, 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 you keep the stuff, you keep the stuff. And he was like, but I already have a bunch of stuff. What do I need more for? If you read the story carefully. And they hugged like they'd never hugged before. What does it take to get from the villain of the story to the hero? If you look at this story closely, what it takes is wrestling with God for a very long time. It takes wrestling with God to the point where we have to struggle and it has to be real in our lives. I don't know about you, but there are times in my life where I just coasted because, you know, I have heritage or I have knowledge or have experience. But when you're in this story and you're the villain, everything changes a little bit. The journey becomes something that is treacherous. But if all of a sudden you meet God, it becomes something a lot different. Look at the story of Moses. Look at the story of anybody in the Bible that had a change in their life. Everything they did from one point changed. And I think that's what Alyssa has experienced today in baptism. She's experienced a change in her life that she said, I want to make it public. I want to make it public and say, you know what? From this point on, Something different's going to be in my life. It was always there, but something different. You see cows, goats, camels, lots of gifts to Esau weren't going to change what he really thought of him. It seems that that fight all came down to this point, 
and all of a sudden his heart was softened because God spoke to him too. It doesn't say it in the story, but his heart was softened. With 400 men, all of a sudden they became the welcoming party. When we experience God, it leaves a mark, does it not? How many of you have had wounds? As a preacher, as a preacher's son, I have seen a lot of things that could chase me out of the church because people are just that, people. We're all in this, in the same kind of boat. We don't really understand that we're just as guilty as the person next to us, just as holy as the person next to us. We're all following God. And when he speaks to us, sometimes we have that struggle in our lives that no one else sees, and we expect that we're the only one struggling. But as I've, I've talked to many of you families and many of you individually, I found out that, you know what? There's not one family in this church that does not struggle with something. And not one family or person in this church that does not have beautiful, wonderful gifts to offer this family. And when we wrestle with God, we all of a sudden find out that maybe we are the people that are the villains, and then we want to be something different. We want to be the heroes. We want to be the ones that do good in life. We lose to God. Let me ask you a question. Just look at this story. When he hits him in the hip, and he says, okay, I will bless you, who lost in that battle? Physically, probably a little bit on one side, well, you know, dislocated hip and maybe limp for the rest of his life. But really, who lost? No one. In fact, it was a win-win situation because as he submitted to God, all of a sudden, it wasn't about the stuff anymore. It was about the relationship that he had been missing for years from God. And the struggle that he had that night before became a different kind of struggle. That different kind of struggle said, God, how can I serve you better? How can I introduce my children to you? How can I introduce all of my family to you? Because I want them to know you, the one who I saw his face. I want you to be in my life. I don't want to be known as a hypocrite anymore. I don't want to be known as a fascist anymore. I don't want to be known as an accomplice anymore. I don't want to be a usurper of all the things that I know that I shouldn't have. I want to be the one that struggles with you every day because at least I know I'm close. For those of you who have felt like God is far away, you've been struggling with him. He's been right there. But we think he's a long ways away because we've been playing the villain. And when we play the villain, we don't understand that God is there for us and he wants us oh so desperately to be close to him. We never know who we're wrestling with, but really it is the God of the universe because it's the place, Panil. Let's go now to Joshua. I told you we'd get there. Another story, Joshua chapter 24, I think it was. There's a lot of people that say you can't learn anything from the Old Testament. Let me tell you, there are some things. (laughs) 
In the beginning here, it says, Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and called the elders of Israel for their heads, for their judges, for their officers, and presented themselves before God. They had finally arrived in the promised land. Can you imagine hearing for 80 years, 80 years, we're going to the promised land. How many of you have heard your whole life, God's coming? Wouldn't it be wonderful if all of a sudden we find ourselves in Shechem, the new Jerusalem? Wouldn't it be wonderful to be able to say, whoa, we've arrived. But I think we're still wandering in the wilderness sometimes. Joshua said, all the people, thus says the Lord God of Israel, your fathers, including Terah, Abraham, and the father Nahor, dwelt on the other side of the river in old times, and they served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham and the other side of the river and led him through the land of Canaan and multiplied his descendants and gave him Isaac. And to Isaac he gave Jacob. Oh, we, we know about that guy. And to Esau gave the mountains of Seir and possessed. But Jacob and his children went down to Egypt. And I sent Moses and Aaron and I plagued Egypt according to what I did among them. Afterward, I brought you out. When I brought you out, your fathers out of Egypt, and you came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued your fathers with chariots and horsemen to the Red Sea. So they cried out to the Lord, and he put darkness between you and the Egyptians, and brought the sea upon them and covered them. And your eyes saw what I did to Egypt. Then you dwelt in the wilderness a long time, and I brought you into the land of the Amorites, who dwelt on the other side of the Jordan, and they fought with you, but I gave them your land, their land. And that you might possess their land, and I destroyed them before you. Then Balak, the son of Zippor, the king of Moab, arose to make war against Israel and sent and called Balaam, the son of Beor, to curse you. But I would not listen to Balaam, therefore he continued to bless you. So I delivered you out of his hand. This sounds like a sermon, doesn't it? What is a sermon sometimes? A recounting of what God has done in our past. I think maybe in this new year, we need to recount all the things God has done wonderful for this church in the past. And yeah, we may not be able to go back there and be what we were before, but what has God have in store for us now? A land flowing with milk and honey. Something that people need to hear. So when you went out over the Jordan and came to Jericho and all the men fought against you, and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Girgashites and the Hivites and all the other Ipes, the Jebusites. But I delivered you, in, I mean, them into your hands. I sent the hornets before you and drove them out before you and the two kings of the Amorites, but not with your sword or with your bow. I have given you the land for which you did not labor and cities that you did not build and you dwelt in them and you ate of the vineyards and the olive groves that you did not plant. Do you see the spiritual application here? God has given us all the things that we have, both spiritually and physically. And some of them, we didn't do anything. God did it. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods of your fathers that they served on the other side of the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, Choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers served were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites 
or in the land who dwelled, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And if you read the rest of the chapter, he's not saying this as a young man. He's not saying this as a man who is one of the leaders that everybody's going, oh yeah, he's gonna live forever and he's gonna do a lot of things. He literally is almost preparing to die. But he makes a proclamation about his family. And he says, as for me and my household, everyone, we are going to serve the Lord. What would it mean this year if every household here proclaimed to God, as for me and my family, me and myself, we will serve the Lord. We will do it no matter what. We have experienced many other things that are going around us, many things that have trampled upon us, many things that have hurt us, many people that have hurt us, but we will serve the Lord. What would it look like if all of us did that as a church family? I think it would be something awesome. We have two people in the Bible here one that looked like a villain and one that looked like a total hero. I mean, he was never bad, but if you look at some of the stories beforehand, you realize that he wasn't exactly perfect either. But as Joshua and Jacob came in contact with God and saw his face, they dedicated their lives to God. Alyssa, I have something for you. If you'd like to come up here. I know, she doesn't like to be up front a lot, I know. This is a certificate and just kind of a, a symbol of what you are doing today. But this is a very brand new baptismal certificate. And so don't, don't get rid of the old one because that will remind you of the things that you've made up your mind doing today. But this is your new one in hopes that you will have a more in-depth relationship with God and that you will say today too, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. How many of you would like to welcome her back into the family? She never really left. <laughs> and so in closing, I would like to ask you, is there anyone that, and I, you don't have to come up front, you can talk to me afterward if you're shy, but is there anyone that wants to join the church family here, that wants to rededicate their life, that wants to say, you know what, I'm gonna serve him all the way. If you have that, if you'd like to see me after church, I'd love to talk to you. And uh, I just want to say welcome to the new year, and I'm hoping that every one of us, as we study God's word together, that we come closer to, and closer to him, and that we can name this place the place where people see the face of God. Let's bow our heads. Father in heaven, I wanna thank you so much for making us from villains into heroes, for making us from not your children to your very close children. Dear Father, be with us this new year. Help us to see you more clearly. Help us to understand you more clearly. And dear Father, help us never ever to fall away and become the villain. Help us, dear Father, to not only become the hero, but become your sons and daughters in a way that people will know that they have seen your face when they come here. In Jesus' name, amen.